Hi, my name is Philip Warwick and welcome to my first deal, which ultimately led to millions. The first deal you do in real estate, no matter what your net worth, usually defines what type of investor you are. It's either the thing that inspired you the most or it was the bad one and you learned from your mistakes. And we will interview some very successful investors and local real estate groups from all over the country so that you can get inspired. Rather, you are a very advanced investor or you're brand new at this. Welcome to Power CEOs, the truth behind the business. I'm Jen Godet, your fearless host, speaker, entrepreneur, and business coach. And I am here because I believe that iron sharpens iron. And when we bring what's working in business to everyone else and we come together, all of us are able to learn, grow, and up-level. And when we up-level our businesses, when we improve ourselves, the ripple effect impacts not just us and our families, but also our teams, their families, our clients, our communities, and the world. I'm really excited about our episode today because I have a fellow investor and entrepreneur um, on set with me, and he has been in the real estate industry in, uh, as an investor for the last 20 years, he's very successful, and now he's moved into real estate coaching as well. So I think you're gonna get a great amount of information. I know you've asked about getting into investing. I know you've asked about real estate, so I am bringing it to you. Welcome to the studio today, Philip Warwick, how are you? Hey, Jen, I'm doing amazing. Thanks, first of all, for having me on the show. And I've heard a lot of great things about you and your audience. And I'm just uh, excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And, you know, my audience gives me feedback all the time. They'll email me. They'll say, hey, what about this? And one of the common things that I get is you're an investor. How do you get into investing? How do I know what to invest in? And real estate is one of the hot topics. So I wanted to start off with you have been investing in real estate for over 20 years full-time for over 20 years. It is your bread and butter. You're exceptionally successful at what you do. What was it that got you into real estate investing or how did you get started? That's a great question. A lot of people want to know how I got started. And I think back when I was a senior in high school, believe it or not, I remember asking my dad, dad, if I want to go to college and purchase a house, maybe I could rent the rooms out to my friends and live for free. And that was my first idea of getting into real estate. And my dad said, you know, son, that's a great idea. Why don't you save up a 20% down payment, build up your credit for a little while, and then you could probably get a bank loan to buy a house. And so I said, okay, I set out to do that. And one, late, I, one night I was watching late night television and an infomercial came on and there was this gentleman selling a home study course, how to buy houses with no cash, no credit. And I thought, wow, this seems like a shortcut. And so I got started really young. I ordered that home study course and, and started taking action on those things. And I caution when I say that because just because I started back in 1997 doesn't mean that you can't get started now, right? So we all start not knowing and it just starts with, you know, having that desire to get out there and do it. And, and really it's taking action, right? Because what I heard is you had the idea. Yeah. Tons of us have ideas, whether it's in business or in investing, it doesn't matter. We have all these ideas, but it doesn't really matter if we don't take action and make it happen. And we also have to learn and grow to do it. And you did exactly that. You had the idea. You saw the infomercial, you learned, and you just went and did it. And so I think that taking action is so incredibly key. It's one of the biggest points that we try to drive home each and every week here. Um, and so you've been doing this, let's fast forward, because we're not in 1997 anymore. Um, and a lot has changed in the real estate market since then. We had that whole big meltdown in 2007, 8, 9, whatever that was. Um, and a lot of people were caught with their proverbial pants down. So talk to me a little bit about this. Have you ever lost money in real estate investing? And if so, like, how did you pick yourself back up? Well, 
I started, like I said, in 97, so I went through that 2008 meltdown, right? And so I was learning a lot of these creative financing things, and I believe that the more education you go for, and here I am 20 years later still learning from people that are doing the business, and we always have to be prepared to pivot, to figure out what's working best in today's market. And back then, I was buying a lot of houses, and you know, the first year I did two deals, and the second year maybe three, and the third deal maybe four, and that's when I decided, you know what, this stuff really works, I'm gonna go full time. And it was when I started hiring coaches and mentors that I went from doing two or three deals a year to doing two or three deals a month. And in 2008, when the market crashed, we actually had 57 houses on the books, and we were doing a combination of buy and fix and flip, buy and hold, buy and do and rent to own, putting tenant buyers in these properties, and eventually they would purchase the houses from us. So when the market crashed, these tenant buyers weren't able to buy houses from us. So we ended up getting houses back at a speed that we couldn't really handle. So we did go through a lot of struggle in that time. But what we learned is that through that, there's a lot of opportunities that you can pick up when the when the market is at the bottom. So absolutely, yeah. and you know, a lot of people are afraid when when the market is on the downswing. And I know here in Houston, we have a little bit different market um, than when a lot of the country is experiencing right now, per se. Um, but everybody's got a little bit of fear right now. And so if someone was just getting into or thinking about investing, whether they're thinking about going into investing full-time or whether they're, they've got a corporate gig and they're looking at a new asset class, what is something that they should be, what are the things they should be thinking about or learning about now as they get ready to invest? So for an investor that is in it for the long term, you're gonna be safe, right? So real estate moves really slow. 2008 was different, it crashed quick, right? But even the houses that we held on to, that we managed to hold on to, three, four, five years later, they had already come back up in value or even doubled in value in 10 years. So in real estate investing is, if you have time, you're gonna be on the good side of it, right? If you don't have to sell. So if you position yourself with investment capital that you can have out to work for three, five, 10 years even, you're gonna be in a good, safe position to be able to, to handle those market downturns, right? as long as you don't need to sell in a downturn, you're gonna be okay. Fantastic, and and you know, one of the things we talk about, because I'm, I'm more of a, a business investor, I invest more in businesses, um, I do invest in real estate as well, but more as the money. Um, but what we often tell people is make sure you have that liquid available, if you're gonna go full-time in investing, you wanna make sure you have your expenses covered for the short term and to a year or whatever it is that your money's gonna be out. So. If people are looking at getting into investing full-time, what are kind of the prep steps financially or the considerations they have to have before they dive in? Because you're locking up your money and sometimes you don't know. You may think it's a three-month or a six-month flip and it ends up taking nine months or a year. So what are some of the things that people need to be thinking about if they're going to move into that um, from the financial side of it? So what's unique about me is I started with no money and no credit, right? Like we talked about. But when you have money and credit, there's a different um, opportunities available to those people. Right, So there is a way to get into real estate regardless of where you're at financially, but like the old saying goes, it takes money to make money. It might not be your money, it might be another investor's money that you partner with and do business with together, or you find somebody like me who has the time and has the ability to go out there and find the great deals and you partner with them if you have investment capital to put to work. Right, So it's just a matter of figuring out exactly where you're at and what meets your financial and investment goals and figuring out the best strategy that works for you based on that. And so you've taken all these different um, areas of real estate and, and, and really you started with nothing and now you've built quite an empire, if you will, for yourself. And so your strategy has changed over time. Right. How, how does that uniquely position you as a real estate investor coach? Well, I like to call myself a transaction engineer, right? Because 
if you do the marketing or you partner with somebody that's doing the marketing to generate leads, a lot of times we can't control the type of deal that comes across our desk, but what we can control is the type of outcome from the deal that comes across our desk. Meaning, if somebody's in a pre-foreclosure situation, we might be able to do some creative financing things and take over the payments on their loan, doing a subject to takeover payment strategy. Or if we find a house that maybe they've inherited it from somebody who passed away and the house hasn't been renovated and updated in 20, 30, 40 years, and it's an all cash deal, maybe we're gonna buy, fix, and flip that house, right? So there's a lot of different strategies depending on the lead that comes across our desk and that'll determine exactly what our entrance and our exit is on that property. And, and so you said some of my favorite terms and, and, and specific exit. Having an exit strategy before you even start, how important is it in business it's essential that we start with the exit in mind because we don't know what we're driving to, we don't know how to structure our business or, or what we're really to go if we don't have an exit in mind. Um, how does that look in real estate? So we make our money when we buy. I like to say that we're gonna find a great deal first, right? Find a property that we can buy below market value, find a seller who's in a situation that we can actually help them solve a problem and a need that they have. And then based on that deal, we'll know what kind of exit it is. Maybe it's a buy and hold where we hold it as a rental for three to five years. Lately, I've done a lot of short-term rentals where we fully furnish these properties and put them on Airbnb and hold them as short-term rentals for a few years until we decide to exit, exit down the road. But I believe the exit strategy comes when you have enough built-in equity and your return on investment based on the equity position or the value of the property can be better served somewhere else, right? So once you've built up enough equity and you can sell that asset and exchange that asset for multiple properties or a new property, then that's the time to exit, so. Fantastic, and you know, like it's really it's really interesting, like in business, we like to have multiple exit option, options as well and, and, and a plan. So you start with a plan in place, you buy right. Yeah. Um, and, and I know this to be true as well, you know, it's so essential that you buy the property in the correct way. But what we've seen, especially here in our market, is we saw investors coming in at market and in the bidding war on properties that needed a lot of work. Like, what happens if you haven't bought right? Because this happens, right? A lot of times people are like, I'm going to go into real estate. I'm just going to buy something. And they actually buy an, an at market deal, like an on the market deal for an on the market price and, it, and need to put money into it. So if somebody's already done that and, and hasn't bought right, is there a way to salvage that? Or what does that look like um, on the investor side uh, if they haven't done the first step properly? So it's going to have to be a buy and hold strategy. Hopefully they can rent that property out and the rental income will cover the debt service if they've got financing on that property and the rent will be equal to or more than you know what the monthly outgoing expenses are. And like I said, if you can hold for five or 10 years, you'll be okay. And the beauty with real estate is you get a lot of tax benefits that aren't just the, equ the equity position or the discount that you purchased it at, right? So you may have built-in equity every month when you're making a mortgage payment, the mortgage balance is going down. And property values tend to go up three to 5% per year, right? So every year the values are gonna go up a little bit. And you also get some tax benefits, some write-offs and things like that. So there are some paper benefits to owning real estate, even if there's not a huge equity position. But if you, like I said before, if you have to sell, that's when you're gonna be uh, in a bind, right? So the person who's in a hurry to sell is gonna be the person that takes a hit. But if you can hold for a while, you'll be okay. That's, that's really, um, it's sound advice, and, and it, it really is, it comes to, it comes to knowing your numbers. Um, what I'm hearing is you, you need to know what it is that you've got. You need to know how long you can put your money in and how long it can be tied up. You need to buy right. You need to know your numbers in order to do that. 
And so you've had years of expertise in this area. Um, how, how do you work with your clients um, who are getting into real estate if they just want to be maybe the money in the deal and they don't, they, maybe they work a full-time gig, maybe they're a physician or they're an engineer and they don't really have time to do the business or do the fix and the flip themselves, but they want to have the financial benefit of the asset class. Yeah, so I've got a perfect example. I've got a client out of San Diego and she is an aerospace engineer and she's had the desire for the past 10, 20 years to invest in real estate and she does great. She makes $175,000 a year, but she doesn't have time. She's an engineer, so she's really busy and she's got a very high position at work, but she's been able to invest with me and we've partnered together on deals right here in Houston. She's in San Diego. We're doing deals here together. 98% of my time is spent out there doing real estate, doing deals, negotiating with sellers, getting houses under contract, managing these projects. And so together with her funds, I'm able to do the work. She's able to put up the money and then we share in the profits on those deals. And you know, right now we've been working together for about a year and we're on our third deal and looking at our fourth opportunity um, as we speak. So. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take doing two or three deals a month like I do, but you know, <laughs> two, three, four deals a year can really add to your uh, investment portfolio, you know, one deal at a time. Yep. And, and so talk about a little bit about self-directed IRAs, cause that's become a little bit of a hot topic as an asset class lately. Um, can you use self-directed IRA funds for real estate and what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people do use their self-directed Roth IRA account to invest in real estate. And the cool thing about a Roth IRA is that it's tax-free uh, income, right? Because you've already paid taxes on the money when you invest into your Roth IRA. So any money that the Roth IRA makes is going to be tax-free as well. So it's a really great opportunity to use the, you know, the IRA account for that. Does it have to be a Roth? Um, not necessarily, um, but it needs to be a self-directed IRA, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really funny because I mean, I'm, I think we're in the same age group and not to age ourselves too much being in business since, you know, the 90s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we were when we were first coming into those uh, the, the business world, everything was about traditional brokerage accounts. And that was the only way for you to really save for retirement. And so many of us who were professionals, um, that was the route that we took. And it grows very slowly. There's a, it doesn't it doesn't give you nearly the amount of return that real estate I've found has given. So for those people who brought up, were brought up in that more traditional sense, and they've got a lot in the traditional sense, what are some ways that they can now diversify their asset class? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think diversification is getting out of the, the traditional means, right? So when my dad passed away in early uh, 2000, my mom ended up with a small life insurance policy, and she did the only thing that she knew how. She put it in the stock market. And if you guys remember, there was some crash back in 2000 and literally half of her investment was wiped out by that, right? And so shortly after that, we talked and we started investing and she became my first private lender and partnering with me and doing real estate. Mom since then has never had to work again. She works because she chooses to, but her investments with me and with real estate have been able to fully support her um, with her income. Right. So diversifying based on getting some of your money out of the stock market and having the control yourself. That's what I mentioned. The self-directed IRA is because you get to choose your investments that you invest that, that capital into, as opposed to putting it in the hands of somebody else that you have no control over. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of a lot of a lot of people today, they have 401ks that are already managed. So they don't really have a say so in because it's associated to uh, with their employer, with their job. Um, maybe they're able to direct some of those funds, but it's all traditional. So if they've already got that, 
what an amazing way to to start on the other side of things, whether it's a retirement or not, a kind of not. Um, and so talk to me about the person who is getting started with no money and no credit and they're looking to dive in. What are the things that they need to think about and learn? Because, you know, it, it's a little harder right now to get money traditionally. Yeah. So if you have no money and no credit like I didn't when I was you know, getting started, then you have time, right? And you have the knowledge to go out there and actually to do the work, to go find the deals because it takes a lot of, of uh, looking at a lot of opportunities before you find that motivated seller that's willing to sell to us. It might take a hundred offers before you get to that one yes, right? So the engineer doesn't have time to do that, to set up a whole infrastructure, a business of doing all the marketing, to generate the motivated seller leads, to go look at houses, to get houses under contract. So if you have more time than you have capital, then that's what you would do is you would go out there and do the marketing, do the cold calling, the door knocking, and all of the creative things that it takes to go out there and find motivated sellers to get a house under contract. And then you would bring that contract to somebody like me or another investor and pass it on to them for a wholesale fee or partner with them if they're willing to partner with you. And then you do the work, you oversee the project and, and uh, you know, share in the profits like we talked about. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really interesting because some of the things that you've said right in there is um, if you're the one doing the work, it's not just about cold calling, it's also about developing the leads. Like, because it's not like they're gonna just say, hey, yes, I'm in distress. Yes, I wanna sell your house. There's a whole process that, process that goes into building the trust and actually securing that they're gonna work with you because I'm, I'm just gonna speak from experience here in the Houston area, um, there's a whole lot of investors here. So they're getting that call from numerous people. They're getting those mailers or whatnot. How do you establish yourself so that you're the person that they choose to work with? Um, people want to do business with people who they know, like, and trust, or with people who have referred them to somebody that they know, like, and trust, right? And having the experience and being in the business for so long, we do get a lot of things by referrals and people recommend us because we have a great reputation here in Houston for doing deals and getting deals closed and getting deals done fast. And the seller needs to know what's in it for them, right? A lot of times we come to people with, uh, you know, with the mentality of what's in it for me, but they're got, they're tuned into what's in it for them, right? So if we can build the benefits of them working with us, maybe it's a quick offer, maybe it's fast cash. Maybe it's being able to help them save their credit by avoiding a foreclosure or buying a house that needs twenty, thirty thousand dollars in renovations that they can't get done themselves. Those are opportunities for us to solve their problems and solve their needs while at the same time creating an opportunity for us to be able to, to make a profit. So I'm going to ask the question because I'm sure you've heard it. I know I've heard it. Um, or I guess more it's a, it's a belief structure or, or a bias. Investors are slumlords. <laughs> Some lords. Okay. Have you heard that before? Yeah, um, and I think they're referring to you know an, an investor that just buys houses and holds on to them as rentals. They don't take care of their tenants, and you know I actually just picked up a package of five houses out in Seabrook from an investor that was that lives in Florida. And these properties, some of the tenants have been there eight to ten years, you know. And now that we picked it up, they're calling us with the problems and you know the broken windows or the air conditioner that's broken and all these different things. But at the same time, it's it was a long distance, you know, long distance relationship for him to run and manage that property. And he had a property manager that was on site that wasn't taking care of things as well. Um, but you know, there's not a whole lot of cash flow in the long-term rental business, so. I guess they get that reputation a lot, or maybe the tenants just aren't taking the care of the property like they're supposed to. 
And then, and then if somebody has that bias and you're approaching them and they're in a distressed situation, what is their first response? Oh, investors are bad. So how do you overcome that, that initial all investors are bad kind of attitude? You're going to take my house from me. Like, how do you overcome that? Like, because I know it is definitely a perception that exists out there. And, and so how do you overcome that? And, and, and what does that look like? Because I know you talked about what's in it for them and how you help them and you solve their problem, but you have to at least be able to get to the point where they let you communicate to solve the problem. So how do you bridge that gap? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of, you know, sellers might think that we're, you know, there to take advantage of them. And it does take some time and some credibility to build that trust and to show them that, you know, we're really in it for them. I mean, obviously, we're not running a charity, so we need to make a profit. And we're looking for sellers who literally they don't have three to six months to list market and sell their house with a real estate agent, right? They don't have that luxury. So I like to say the most important thing in their life at that moment might be to sell their house because they have a house in disrepair that they can't afford to fix up. Or maybe they have gone through a divorce, for example, or they're behind on payments and the bank is threatening a foreclosure and we can come in quick and solve that problem. So a lot of these situations will put us in a position to be able to help them and really get them you know, get them moved on where maybe they would have lost the house to foreclosure, you know? Absolutely. So we've, we've covered quite a, quite a bit already and uh, we are going to break shortly, but um, based off of everything that we've talked about today, what are a couple of action steps that somebody who's thinking about getting into real estate can take today or what can they start preparing um, so that if they do, or if they are on this path of becoming an investor or they want to become a real estate investor or, or diversify in that way, what are some of the key things that they can start to take action on right now to make sure that they're in a position so that this is a, a, a easier or smooth transition for them? Yeah. So I like to say that you can read all the books and tapes and go to all the seminars and trainings and all of these things. And that's great for surface information and for knowledge and to gain an understanding. But until you actually get out there and start doing deals and have somebody that's gone before you that can help you and show you the way and hold your hand and guide you through it step by step, day by day, it's going to take longer for you to have the success that you're looking for. And there is no shortcut to success. We all know that. But when you can actually work with somebody who has the experience, like if somebody's starting out, but they're coming in to work with me, they get to ride the coattails of 20 years of experience, right? They get to enter the market where I'm at, not in the just knowing you're getting started phase. So I like to say to just look for somebody, whether it's me or anybody else that's out, out there doing the business and find somebody that can coach and mentor you and help you and guide you and show, show you the way. And has that, that brand credibility because you just said we opened this up earlier with people do business who with people who they know like and trust and that is in the real estate investing business as well and so you're really um you say ride the coattails but what you're really doing is uh, you're branding yourself by association by working with people who are in the industry and have a really good reputation and so before we before we break also fill up like if somebody is wanting to be the money behind real estate, what are the things that they need to think about before they partner with someone who's in the business? I would say to make sure that you're partnering with somebody that knows what they're doing, you know, that have good ethics and morals and, you know, credibility as well. And, you know, make sure that they're doing the business. A lot of people that are getting started could make those mistakes early on. Um, and so you want to really partner with somebody that has the experience and, and the know-how. And then just to make sure, like when you're looking at the opportunity, make sure that it's a good deal. Make sure that, you know, the house is in a good area and not, you know, uh, in, a, in an area where there's a lot of crime and things like that. But you want to have houses that are in like that median price range for the area, right? Where the normal average person in that area can purchase that, that property as well. So 
So being an informed investor, whether you're the money or whether you're going into the business of real estate, make sure you get yourself a, a coach or a mentor who's already in there, partner with people who are already in there. Those are really excellent um, nuggets that you've provided. We do have to take a brief break, but we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Power CEOs, the truth behind the business. I am Jen Godet, your fearless host, investor, entrepreneur, and I am here to say if you are just tuning in, you want to go to nowmedia.tv, click on the show Power CEOs, and watch the first segment. Why? Because we have talked all things how to get into real estate investor, whether you want to be a passive investor, whether you want to be an active investor, whether you have money, whether you don't have money, whether you have knowledge, you don't have knowledge. And Philip Warwick is here in studio. He's got 20 years, more than 20 years. I mean, 1997, we're, we're talking 26 years of experience as a real estate investor, very successful. And he has dropped absolute gold. So if you're just tuning in, go catch the segment nowmedia.tv. You don't want to miss it. Um, but we're going to dive right back into the conversation. Before the break, we had been talking a little bit about um, what do we need to know if we want to get started? Like, what are the things we have to consider? But now, Philip, I want to I want to turn that on you because um, when we're talking about accepting capital and raising capital, lots of people are, might have the money. They might have the capital to provide. How do you choose or what are the criteria that you use to choose the people who you allow to invest with you? Well, one of the most important things really to know with real estate that it's not get rich quick. <laughs> it can be get rich for sure. But the point is, is that you, you need to be willing to invest and have the faith to ride the wave and wait, you know, as long as it takes and do whatever it takes, right? Some of our investments might be out for three years to five years. Some of them we might buy fix and flip in six months, right? But the thing with real estate is, is that if you can wait, if you can hold on to property for three to five years, that's going to be a great exit. So a lot of times we'll buy a house, fix it up, furnish it, put it on Airbnb. And two years, three years later, we exit that property and sell it for a huge profit. And the profit that we get is a lot better return on investment than just the monthly, monthly cash flow, right? So having somebody that's open-minded to be flexible with their investment capital, knowing that, Hey, some of these investments might come and go pretty quick. Some of them might stay out there for three to five years. I think that's going to be the, the most important thing. And rather you have $50,000 to invest or $5 million to invest, it doesn't matter. There are strategies to put that, those cap, that capital to work. So. And, and so, you know, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And I know that you are also doing business with people who are finding the deals and bringing the deals and you're partnering with them, like you said earlier in the segment. So how do you choose the people that you do deals with, the deal finders that are bringing you the deals? How do you decide, yes, I'm going to do business with this this person or no, I'm going to pass on this. That's really great, but um, it's, a, it's not a good fit. Like what are the criteria if somebody is a deal finder and they want to get started that way by doing that um, sweat equity piece and partnering with you on the rest? Yeah. So people come to me all the time, Philip, is this a good deal? Like they have an opportunity that they, they might be looking at and they don't know if it's a good deal or not. Right. So being able to bring a deal to somebody that's working together, that's coaching you, that's helping you, that's holding you by the hand and helping you look at a deal to see, is it a good deal? Is it a bad deal? Or what kind of offer to make or how to negotiate that property? That's somebody that I'm looking for, people that I can work with, that I can help them and guide them because we're going to do deals together, right? So a lot of people are, you know, they think that they can go out there and just do it on their own and 
take their, you know, take their time. And you might be able to do some deals on your own and think that you're going to get 100% of the deal. But if you partner with somebody else that has the experience, maybe you do multiple deals. I heard it said just a couple of days ago by one investor is like, hey, I'd rather have 50% of a thousand deals than 100% of five deals. Right. So being able to partner with somebody that you trust that you can do deals together will get you a lot faster and a lot further. Absolutely. And you said something that's very key. You said do do deals with somebody that you trust. So how do you build that relationship? Because we've already talked about it on the finding the distressed homeowners and helping them solve a problem and overcoming the biases of, you know, investors are not good people or they're whatever, whatever intrinsic biases they may have. So you have to build the trust with the, them on that f- side. But how do you build the relationships with the people who you're doing deals with. Like, how, what does that process look like? What are some of the things, because sometimes people think, oh, I've got money, or oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm doing the deal, so you're automatically gonna do this. Raising capital is not easy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other segment we could probably talk about. Um, but, you know, like, how do you build the relationships and know the people who you can actually trust that you partner with? Real estate is definitely a relational game, right? Most of the private investors that I work with, we've known each other or we've been referred to each other by other people that we've done business with. And having that that trustability and doing business and doing deals together, and even through coaching, like as I'm coaching people, we get to know each other on a pretty personal level because I like to do one-on-one coaching. We do some group coaching as well. But the longer we work together, the more we get to know each other and rather we're even a fit to work together, right? So just like they might not trust me or I might not trust them or we might not be a fit to work together, we'll find out that through some conversations and it costs nothing to have a conversation and to see if we can work together and then maybe the coaching leads to doing deals together and one deal at a time, just like my client from San Diego. It started with a referral and then it started with one deal and now we're on to our fourth deal together. So. And you know we're a year and a half into this, and we've grown a pretty solid relationship. We trust each other, and it's been a, a, a great partnership. And so that brings me to the next question. And and you know relationships are everything. How do we know if we've put enough into our relationship ATM to then have the ask on the other side? Because one of the biggest faux pas I see in in the business world is, hey, nice to know you. We have a fifteen minute conversation. Buy this. let's do business here and that's not a true relationship so tell me what are the like don't do's or some of the things that people can can avoid the missteps of if they're just getting started I think a lot of people make the mistake like early on trying to work with friends and family and then what happens is you're doing it based on your word and commitment and your relationship with that friend and family and you forget about the paperwork the paperwork is actually designed to help keep you honest right it's designed for hey if things go wrong at least we have the paperwork to back it up and every single one of our investments is backed by paperwork we close everything at a title company right so there's a note there's a promissory note there's deed of trust there's there's contractual agreements where everything is in writing so we have that to back up the trust and credibility that we build together by working together and getting to know each other there's always the paperwork to fall back on right so hopefully it never comes to that but at least that's there as a backup and even if you are working with friends and family make sure that there's paperwork involved as well yep and uh it's just no different than a prenup really right you wouldn't marry somebody um without (laughs) without having an idea of who they are and and what you can do and uh you know it's important to protect yourself so you're really talking about risk management so i want to i want to kind of cover risk because risk is something that's in no matter what part of the real estate cycle we're in, or, or business cycle for that matter, it, doesn't, it, it applies in both places, there's always risk that needs to be mitigated. So when people are getting started, 
one of the things that I've noticed in the business world is they don't mitigate risk. They don't think about the downside. They, they have the idea, they, they're excited, they're passionate, and they see all the like, rose, they have rose-colored glasses. I call it rose-colored glasses, and they don't really have contingency plans or see the things that could potentially go, go wrong. So how does someone who's getting into investing, or how do you help your beginner investors and partners to kind of mitigate the risk that is associated? Because let's face it, investing always carries risk. There's always a risk. Something could happen. Um, but how do you how do you navigate those waters with your with your new investors? I remember a long time ago, one of my mentors said, "No risk, no goodies." Right? <laughs> so, but you know, with real estate, it's it's a calculated risk. I mean, you you have to take action, right? If you become you know paralyzed by all the analysis, you'll never get a deal done. And it's hard for engineers. You know, it's it's interesting to to say that I have an engineer as a client, which is really cool because she's really particular about all of the details. And you know, as long as you're buying low, right? We make our money when we buy. And what that means is that we're buying a property below market value. And after we do the work, then the value is gonna be there and the equity position that we've built from that sweat equity will be there. And there's times where your estimate of renovation doesn't come in, right? You never come in on time and on budget, right? But as long as you've calculated as much as you can and you bought deep enough and you bought low enough and you can hold long enough, it'll be a profitable deal. So you really have to take action. You have to trust your gut instinct. You have to trust, you know, all of the, the work that you've done to get to that, that deal. So, yeah, and I, I love that you bring up the engineer. You know, doctors are the same way. I come from medicine. My husband's an engineer and we he analyzes everything. And uh, so risk mitigation is important in everything that we do. So the calculated risk really can be can be something that people mistake early on, they, the, a mistake that they make, especially if you're buying at market value. I mean, how do you mitigate that risk? You, well, you're gonna have to hold it longer in right. the case of a downturn. So, um, and, and so since we've been talking about this, I've heard so many different things. Tell me a little bit about the type of assets, uh, the type of real estate. I mean, is it just, you mentioned Airbnb, single, like, single family homes. Like what other kind of real estate investments um, have you been involved in? And I know you're also the money, so I wanna hear how do you choose where you put your money? So I choose single family residents for the most part is what we do, that's our bread and butter. We buy houses that are in you know your normal median price range homes in the area that most people can afford. These are houses that you can buy, fix and flip really quickly. You can buy and hold them for a while, but when it's time to sell them, there's a lot of people in the market to purchase those properties. So. Uh, you know, we talked about the engineer. I've got doctors. I've got an eye doctor that sold his practice, and he's a big investor with us as well. Uh, I've got a cardiologist that's an investor with us as well. But we do for sure things, right? We do deals that we know that we've grown accustomed to over the 20 years that we've had that experience. And then when we exit, when we sell these properties, let's say five years, you know, down the road, we sell that property, and let's say there's a $50,000 profit or a $100,000 profit, then we might move that capital into some passive investments ourselves, where we're investing with other people that are doing the bigger deals like the multifamily or commercial properties. And, you know, we've had the blessing of investing, you know, with the, in the mall deals and a lot of really big opportunities that I get to look at every day, every week, looking at opportunities. So taking the, the active income that we make from flipping houses, even if it's a long-term flip and then moving that investment capital into the more passive deals, the bigger deals, is really what we love to do. It's increasing our active income through the real estate investing in flipping houses, or if you have active earned income, and taking that income and turning it into wealth by investing it passively in the bigger deals. And, and quite frankly, that's one of the things that most professionals are not good at. We don't learn that in medical school or in engineering or 
even and nobody really gets entrepreneurial knowledge in school but you know it's so incredibly important we work so hard for for our degrees and for our professions and and we're just really good at generating income but we're not really good at turning income into wealth so i think that's a really key aspect and a way for people to really improve their nest egg so i'm going to turn another question on you because you are in real estate you are a real estate investor so what is your how do you diversify your own personal income and wealth generation right and you know to speak to that that previous point basically i understand that not everybody wants to quit their job in 90 days and be a full-time real estate entrepreneur like me Right, so I'm doing both. I'm doing the active investing. We're out there marketing. I'm talking to sellers still. I love this business, right? I love coaching people to do the same thing, and I'm coaching clients that they're going out and door knocking and talking to sellers and making offers. But the way I diversify is by partnering with them, partnering with other people, doing deals together, and then that gives me the leverage of their time. And then, like I said, when we flip that property, now we have investment capital of our own that we can go out and put to work, right? So the job of investment capital, it can go out and do the work for you and then come back with friends, right? Meaning that it'll multiply and increase your wealth by putting that money to work and letting it you know, do what it does best, which is to earn more passive income or a big exit at the end when we flip that property. Absolutely, and, and you and I are both coaches. You're, in, you're a coach for real estate investors. I'm a coach for entrepreneurs. Um, and, so, and so I think the next question that I have for you, because I know we both coach with some of the same coaches and mentors, um, how important is having a coach yourself even when you have all this experience and you're growing? Like how, what have been the benefits of having your own coaches even though you've got quite a base of expertise? You've heard it said before, right? Like free advice, people don't take action on. You can call me to pick my brain, but if you haven't invested in yourself, you don't take the advice seriously, right? But when you pay a coach that's actually doing it, that knows how to coach and that knows how to guide you and give you that next step guidance and hold you by the hand, and not only hold you by the hand, but to push you past your comfort zone and you've paid for it, you have to take action. I remember when I went to the back of the room for the first time, and I had my American Express card in my hand and I was signing up for a $15,000 coaching program. And I handed that card to that lady and I was kind of holding on to it tight. And she's like, well, what's wrong, Phillips? Like, I just, I have to make this work. And she's like, well, it's never failed you before. Well, she was talking about the card. And I said, well, that's an American Express card. I've got 30 days to make this work so I can pay this $15,000 off, right? So having that money, the skin in the game, the coaching, I had to make it work and I'm still here today, right? So, so, <laughs> so if I had not paid for that advice, I might have not taken the action that it took in that 30 days and you know, burned all the bridges behind me to make it happen, right? So get coaching. Absolutely, I had, I had a very similar experience. Like I've had, I've had coaches and, and mentors and business coaching really wasn't a thing when I was uh, in medicine. It was more like you had to find people who had already done it and it was more mentorship and consulting. Um, and so I remember the first time I got um, with our shared coach, uh, I did that. I, I was like, okay, uh, whatever I need to do because I don't do debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And my, my, my monthly revenue was like hanging right at a 20K. And I actually made, I made, I made a little bit larger than that investment because I know that if it hurts and it's higher than what I'm already doing, it takes that much for me to escalate to the next level. So I completely agree with you. Like it's, it's about how much skin in the game and the bigger the investment that we put into ourselves, the 
bigger the results. I mean, I can attribute so much to my coaching and my mentoring. I've, paid, I've, I've spent a lot of money, and if you can look at it that way, but really that investment has yielded 10, 13, 15 times what I've ever put into it. So you just never know. And, and, and it, you really, you really are, are accurate because it's, it's taking that step and having the skin in the game, and it's that kick in the butt to actually put it into the next gear. Um, like I, I love cars, so I'm okay. like, well, oh, let's put it in the next gear and, and pop that. So, <laughs> um, great. And and so you are coaching people who are starting in uh, in real estate investing, whether they want to start passive investing, whether they want to start active investing, and and you're really walking them and meeting them where they are. Um, no matter what aspect they want, whether they want to be the door knocker and the deal finder, whether they want to do the actual sweat equity and the, and the fix and flip themselves, or whether they just want to keep their day job and grow their asset class. How can people who are in any of those um, situations reach out to them, uh, reach out to you so they can learn more about getting started in real estate investing? Or maybe they are an investor and they're like, wait a minute, like I'm still doing one or two deals a year. What's wrong? Why, why, why haven't I gotten to the next level? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so I, I believe, you know, I'm an open book. I, if you follow me on social media or you come to my website, there's plenty of opportunities to get with me to get free resources and things to see again, like to see if we're a fit to work together. So if you visit my website, philipwarrick.com, that's P-H-I-L-L-I-P-W-A-R-R-I-C-K.com, you can join my newsletter there and there'll be resources and things like that. So just reach out, you know, I can give you a, a free copy of my, my book, Flip Your Way to Financial Freedom, which is all about wholesaling houses and finding deals. Um, I'm, I actually was honored to be in a book that's an Amazon bestseller, the book called Think Big, with a lot of really cool authors like Brian Tracy and, and other people like that. And so if you want a free digital copy of that book, I'd be happy to send it to you as well. But the main thing is just, just get on my social media, follow me and connect, you know, reach out, set an appointment, let's have a conversation and see where it goes from there. At the Philip Ward Real Estate on all of the socials. Are you on all the socials, Philip? I am, Facebook, uh, yeah, all of them, LinkedIn. All the socials. All the socials, yeah. And so if you're listening to this today and you're on the fence, and I know you are because I've gotten so many emails, Jen, I wanna learn more about real estate investing. I wanna learn more about how to get into investing. I wanna learn about this then this is your opportunity. Reach out to Philip. He is really an expert in his space. Um, get yourself a coach, get a mentor. If you've got the money and the capital, start looking at whether, whether it's Philip or someone else, start doing the research. Philip told you, go with someone who's been doing it and has an established um, credibility in the area that you're looking for. Because if you go with someone who's a startup, it's going to be a lot um, more risky a proposition. Um, and so Philip, before we go, if there was Based off of everything you've learned, all of the experiences, the losing, the losses, the successes, everything up until now, if you could go back to the version of you who was just starting, what would you what would you recommend? Take action is going to be the big thing, and don't quit. Right? It takes that persistent, continuous action every single day. And the only people that fail are the people that don't get up. Right? I fail literally every single day, even to this day. And I don't say that to make you afraid, but to make you understand that, you know, it takes consistent effort. You have to go out there and do the work. And we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. And when you have a coach, you have somebody that guides you to mentor you, then you're going to fall less. You're going to scrape your knees less because you're going to be able to, you know, ride the coattails of their experience as well. Absolutely. I think that's completely accurate. And thank you so much for all of your expertise today. It has been invaluable. If you were not taking notes, you're going to for sure want to go to nowmedia.tv, check out the 
the show and uh, taking your pen and paper with you because Philip gave us so much education um, in just a small amount of time. But now I'm going to talk to you because you just heard Philip say, take action, do the work, be persistent, don't quit. That's what it takes to be successful and to get to the next level. And if you're already investing, maybe you want to get to the next level of investing. Maybe you want to make a little bit more than what you've been making. This means that you need to do something different. If we do the same thing over again, or we just try to up level or do more of what we've been doing, we're going to have the same results. But in order to have a different result, a new result, reach the next level, we have to change our daily behaviors and, and change what we're doing. So get a coach. Um, reach out to Philip and take the action. So that is your homework today to do today, not tomorrow and not next week. Knowledge is just a small part of the equation. The magic happens in the implementation and that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we get to the next level in business and in life and in investing and in whatever it is that you are aspiring to do. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Philip. It was absolutely a pleasure to have you. Um, and uh, I really appreciate everything that you brought to us today. Well, you're awesome. Thanks and for having me. Absolutely. And you, yes, you, all good things do come to an end, unfortunately. But the good news is we'll be here the same time, same station next week. So until then, take your action steps, go in today, win this week, and we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap for the show here today. If you'd like to hear my story and how I did my first deal and extra footage from other people that I interview, there will be a link in the comment. Just click the link on the comment as well. In addition, if you'd like for me to fund your deals or you have some deals or capital that you'd like to fund for me, or if you'd like to be able to come to my office and check out exactly what we do every single day, the link is below. But that's it for today. If you also know and want to introduce me to people that would be great for me to interview on this podcast as well, that's always welcome. So do me a huge favor while you're still here, like and share this podcast on Spotify or Apple. It really helps out a lot, especially giving us a review. And we really appreciate everyone here today. We'll see you on the next time on your first real estate deal on the way to millions. All right. This is Philip Warwick and we'll see you next time. Thank you.